Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 31 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Today, I am joined by the good brother, my good friend, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? Throwing it back to the early 2000s, Larry. Ah, uh, shit, we're throwing it back to like 99, too. Jesus. Before <laughs> that. Now the alliance is coming together. This is early 2000s stuff right here. Well, it's old as shit is what it is, but we'll, uh... <laughs> yes, we're definitely, uh... Yes, the, the big news of the day is obviously the, uh... Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman... Coming into alleged power in WWE on some level, and the fact that they're going to be running Raw and SmackDown as executives. Of course, they will still be answering to Vince McMahon. But, uh, yes, that was the big headline when most people woke up this morning. Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff named WWE executive directors will run TV. Paul Heyman running Raw Eric Bischoff running SmackDown. Jeremy, I will go to you first. What were your general reactions to that headline and news? Um, I was actually like I was I was doing news stories for Fightful and I saw Barrasso tweet out like big shakeup coming in WWE television. And I was like, yeah, it's probably something stupid. And then he tweets out, like, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff named executive directors. And I'm like, what in the fuck is, what does this mean? So I checked the story, see that Heyman's in charge of Raw, Bischoff's in charge of SmackDown. And I I was excited about it, honestly. Like, I say what you will about Bischoff and Heyman. Like, I know a lot of people are upset that it's it should be, you know, fresh names, fresh faces fresh ideas whatever like Bischoff and Heyman they they have proven track records in this business and when you have a proven track record you get chances I generally enjoy the work of Paul Heyman creatively I know it's been a while but I enjoy a lot of the ECW stuff everyone seems to forget about the Smackdown 6 which was fucking awesome uh for 2002 and Eric Bischoff had some good ideas in WCW and seems to have good ideas like when you listen to him talking to interviews nowadays I I thought it was I thought it was cool honestly I was I was excited about it how about you fair enough uh I I didn't. Um, okay, let me preface this first. <laughs> no, first of all, make no mistake about what my comments are going to be. My comments are generally aimed at the creative bankruptcy of this company right now, not their fiscal status, which, as we have talked about several times in October, is going to be absolutely insane thanks to their billion-dollar TV deals. And then you throw in that little bit of blood money on top of it they make each year, I mean, obviously, company going nowhere, best financial shape it's ever been in. But looking at this, I look at it as it's a desperation band-aid. Here's why. Q2 is wrapping up here, which means they're going to have to start answering questions at the investors conference call here at the end of July. They're going to have to ask answer questions about diminishing ratings, diminishing live attendance, why they haven't built new stars, why the network hasn't grown again. And they're going to have to find an answer for all this. And normally George Berrios does the, oh, we won't comment on this, or we had injuries, or they end up with some bullshit. But now they can say that they've made an effort to change, that they've brought in former proven industry leaders with years of experience to help right the ship and buy them some time, especially with Vince going to, he's going to be reducing his role with the uh, XFL and stuff. So they're going to sell it like that. That's the thing. But again, keep in mind, these guys still have to answer to Vince McMahon. I have a lot of respect for what both guys did at various stages of their career. Not Paul with a checkbook, but Paul as a creative leader. Eric Bischoff at times did really good things. They have both done really good things. They are both great on-screen performers. And even though this is not an on-screen role, they will be probably very good to have around to help other people 
backstage promo stuff, leading things. Because you've heard about Heyman helping various people over the years when he's been back with Brock. I think Bischoff can do a lot of that too. That My problem isn't so much with them on the surface. My problem is they have to answer the Vince, and we're just... You know what? I, I, I respect history. We should learn from history so we don't repeat it. But it just feels like we're going to go back and do what we've done for the last 20 years. Most efforts in a major company, WWE, ROH, TNA, whoever, have been chasing the same goddamn characters for the last 20 years. Everybody's living in the Attitude Era. Everybody looks at the quote-unquote glory days, and they want to say that it was the best fucking shit on the planet. And when the Attitude Era was great, it was great, but when it was bad, it fucking sucked. They're desperately looking for that next rock in Austin, and they tried to force that on Cena and Orton for years. And it never worked, because these fucking guys weren't the rock and Steve Austin. It was for once-in-a-generation guys. And instead of letting their characters that they do have organically grow and build and a real and meaningful relationship with the fan base, I mean, they have a couple people. You have, like, the Kofi thing, but they don't do that with a lot of people. How many times do we actually see them get behind somebody, do the push, and then, like you greatly pointed out last week, Kofi just fucking wins, and he wins with his goddamn move. What a fucking revelation, right? He's a champion. He got built up. He wins with his move. Holy shit. And... It's like, we're in 2019. The wrestling is so much better in the ring than it has ever been. But there's an overall lack of characters as a whole that the fans can invest in. And it's because no one is a star. No one feels like a star. No one looks like a star. There's so much 50-50 bullshit. And it feels like so many people are a goddamn mid-carder in this company and not a star. When they have the most loaded fucking roster of talent pretty much in the history of wrestling, combined main roster and NXT. So my whole thing is I just, I wish they would stop living in the past, stop romanticizing the Attitude Era as something perfect, stop putting on the same old shit, the same show formula that they've used for 20 years. I'm so sick of the sterile WWE TV environment. You know, maybe look to the future for once. Instead of professional wrestling remains, it's stuck in the 90s for so many people. And giving Bischoff another chance after TNA, I think, is just a bad idea. I hope I am drastically wrong here. I hope that these guys have the best ideas and they turn it around. But the other thing is I just worry about is Bischoff could cure cancer. Paul Heyman could probably reinvent the whole fucking sport. But that doesn't mean we're ever going to see any of it get past Vince. And that is what worries me the most. That that's still the big sticking point of everything is if it doesn't get past events, then then who gives a shit? Like these are just titles. These are just two names, well-known names who are essentially puppets of like, hey, we put these guys in charge and now we can blame them instead of blaming events like that. That is obviously the the biggest concern out of all of this. I would say that maybe I. I would think that Bischoff and Heyman have some sort of control over these things if they're going to take this job. Obviously, the buck is still going to stop with events, but Heyman and Bischoff have to, there had to be some concessions made if they're going to take these jobs. Unless they don't strike me as guys who just want to be puppets. And because that's why Heyman kind of stepped down in the first place. Like that's why Bischoff kind of kind of left as it was. Like they weren't just going to sit there and, and just take this kind of stuff. They were going to, they wanted to do something different. And I, I'm sure the money's good. The money's probably really good. Is it good enough for them to compromise their values of what they believe in the product? I guess we'll find out. Um, uh, who knows how soon we'll find out because it's we 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 still don't know that. Like, is it going to start next week? Is it going to? Some people are saying we won't see these changes until July or August. So we'll see. I have to think and go in with some type of belief that Bischoff and Heyman have control over the product to where Vince isn't going to shoot down every single idea. And if he does then yeah, this is a meaningless thing that is just done for publicity. You know, and I I know people are going to listen to that kind of rant I went on and 
just think it's filled with negativity, and that's not what I'm trying to get across. I want this goddamn product to change so bad. I watch every show every week. They all run together. Nothing feels important. Their biggest idea lately to change and shake things up is the wild card role, which basically bastardizes the whole concept of the brand split. And then the whole, we're just not going to wrestle during commercials and do totally contrived two out of three falls matches, which kills a match stipulation. It's like, I, I want things to change for the better. I'm not saying that necessarily Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are horrible choices. But I do worry, because when, you know, Paul Heyman obviously is not going to carry a checkbook around for WWE, which is great. You know, we don't need him doing that. But Paul has tons of great ideas. He's been in and out of creative, even though he's not been in creative over the past few years. He's helped with many things, laid out a lot of Brock's programs, helped with some other guys behind the scenes, helped with Ronda Rousey and stuff. So he's still been in the mix. But Eric Bischoff, to me, just feels so locked in the 90s, and that was never more evident than when he came in with Hogan to TNA. Now, granted, I know it's not like he's going to be bringing in the Nasty Boys and shit, but is he self-aware enough to realize that he needs to be booking for 2019 and not 1999? That drastically worries me. And I don't, I think that's like the last thing they need on top of all the problems they have right now, you know, is to go back to that. I, we need something fresh. And that, that that's all I want. I, I want something a little fresh. I want something that feels like they're trying to change the product. And I don't want the show to feel the same every week. I would, Jesus Christ, I already lost my left leg. I might get the right <laughs> leg just not to open the show with a fucking promo every week. I, I think when it comes to, to Bischoff and Heyman, so let's say they, they brought someone new in. Let, let's take let's take Gabe, for example, Gabe Sapolsky, who's who's doing really good work and evolve and has a track record with, with multiple promotions who have, I mean, let's be honest, groomed a lot of WWE talent. He he would be fresh for the WWE scene. Is he fresh overall? I mean, no, he's been around for a while, but for WWE, he'd be fresh. Would Vince listen to a guy like Gabe Sapolsky? I, I think that's where Bischoff and, and Heyman make sense and that they have some cachet there of uh, of a successful track record. I mean, fans still chant ECW. The, the fucking chant has lived on longer than the actual promotion. Fans still relish the, the Monday Night Wars. Like, the the Monday the myth the legend of the Monday Night Wars has lasted longer than the actual war, and, and it's because of the ideas Bischoff and Heyman have. Like they have that cachet in the wrestling world to where Vince can be like, "All right, maybe I don't quite like this idea, and maybe I don't see the vision of it, but these guys have a proven track record on the big stage. I'll let them do it." You, Gabe Sapolsky tries this. Vince is probably like, eh, no, you, you don't know what you're talking about. So I I agree with you that it, it's not new. The These guys are not new minds. But when it comes to 2019 Vince, I don't know if a new mind would really work. And, and he's not giving away, like, any control. He's not just going to say, it's your company now. You know, everything runs through you. He's not going to do that. So he needs voices in there who understand how he works and who understand how the business of WWE, a big business, mind you, and Gabe Sapolsky, as great as he is for these independent promotions, has never had a proven track record of a, of a big company like WWE. I mean, Bischoff had it with WCW. ECW was never on that level, but ECW did have a, a television deal. They had a pay-per-view deal um, at, at a time where it was – a little bit tougher to get those things where they didn't have like a streaming service or anything to really get their name out there. So Vince is more likely to listen to, to Bischoff and Heyman. And that's why I'm willing to, to give this a chance. Will it be different? We'll see again from what I've heard Heyman say, what I've heard Bischoff say in interviews, I think they've got smart ideas. Now they're hopefully going to be given a chance to really put that into action. 
And that's the thing with me. I just fear that, you know, they may have this great fucking think tank going on. And then when it hits Vince's office, he's going to go, that's not good shit, pal. Can't run that. You know, and I, I your point about like a, a Gabe Sapolsky or just Gabe Sapolsky type coming in, I think is very good. Because, yeah, I don't think Vince would, you know, because first of all, Gabe is kind of Hunter's boy, number one. But number two, yeah, I don't think he would walk in and, you know, start talking to Vince. And Vince would just be like, who the fuck is this? You know, I, yeah, I don't think that would work. I, I do wish... Yeah, Vince that, definitely does not know who the fuck Gabe Sapolsky is. Yeah. He's like, Evolved? I mean, what, what does this Evolve on the network? Yeah. But, like, I just... I would have loved for it to be like, hey, listen, you know, you know, Paul Heyman or Eric... You know, Paul Heyman is going to run this show, and we're going to give this show to... You know, and there's, there's various reports, and I don't trust some of the sourcing on it that... He turned it down, and we're going to talk about the trip waste thing later. But just something I I would have loved to have seen. Like we're going to go something different, you know. We're going to fucking we're going to give a Gabe Sapolsky a chance or somebody. It doesn't have to be Gabe because I know a lot of people don't like Gabe, uh, especially Ethan Page. If you listen to the four one one interview, has some harsh words for Gabriel Sapolsky. But anyway, um, yeah, it's I just I really wish that it would have been a little more outside the box. Like, on the surface, I think it's good that they realize, seemingly realize that there are problems. They're trying to bring in people with experience to help. But again, does it actually get into Vince's skull that these are good ideas or changes that have to be made, and will he actually implement them? That's the thing I worry about the most. It's a, it's a valid concern, and it, it's going to be a concern no matter who they put in these positions. I will give them credit for trying this out, and I will be optimistic that it's not some puppeteering role. Because you brought up a good point of the quarterlies are coming up. I mean, it ends at the end of this week. Um and the numbers aren't going to look good. The attendance numbers aren't going to look good. The buy rates aren't going to look good. The the uh, the merchandise probably aren't going to be good. And the ratings we we know are not good. So they th- there's no excuses. I mean, they can they'll say they lost Ronda Rousey or whatever. You can't but, even use Ronda because Q two is the WrestleMania quarter, which is yeah, usually exactly. the biggest quarter. So it's like if you have a bunch of shit that's down. It's like, yeah, like the attendance may not be as horribly down because you did have an extra takeover. You had WrestleMania and stuff like that. But it's overall average for like live events, non-TV events are going to be way down. Merchandise, as you brought up, probably going to be down. But again, WrestleMania week probably is going to save it from being horrible. But yeah, it's just you need an excuse for it. And like you said, there really is none. Right, so they don't have an excuse, but they can pivot and say, well, we recognize these things, but we've brought in Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Look at their track record. Look what they've done. We're, we're in the middle of turning things around. Because their last excuse last quarter was injuries, and, and that was a bullshit excuse because outside of like Roman Reigns, who, who missed um, the, the first – I mean, he, he missed the last quarter uh, – they, they really didn't have any significant injuries, and, and everyone saw right through that. There's no excuse for quarter two, and now you can just say, all right, well, this stuff is down, but look what we've done. You know, we, We've got these guys. Quarter three is going to be better, and then quarter four is when the television deal kicks in. So it, just stick with us. It'll, it'll be good. I hope it's not that of a quarter three excuse and they these guys actually can do something. These guys actually are allowed to implement their vision. And again, I think they don't take this role unless there is an understanding that they're able to do something. Because I, I'm sure you saw the report. Heyman was apparently offered um, like a creative role back in February when they brought back uh, Pritchard. And, and he didn't take it because for, for one reason or another. But my guess, just knowing what I know about Paul Heyman throughout the years of reading stories and hearing him talk is he didn't want, he didn't think that would give him the the flexibility and the freedom that he wanted. So he wasn't going to take that deal. Now he's taken this 
I would assume he's got some type of flexibility and freedom to where this is a hands-on role where he can implement his vision. And the same goes for Bischoff. I'm sure it's going to be a hands-on role to a point, but again, it's like, you know, you can be hands-on all you want. You know, like you go back to the Moxley interview where he talks about how, you know, the, they come up with an angle, the writer writes stuff, and then you have to go to Vince to get it approved. And like I said, at this rate, fucking Heyman could cure cancer and Bischoff can reinvent the whole industry, but if Vince just looks at it and goes, ah, uh, nope. I mean, what the fuck good does it do it? And I, I mean, I hope that, like you said... I, you're way more optimistic than me, and I think that's awesome. And I hope that there is going to be some, like, creative freedom to the point that, like, they can walk in sometimes and just be like, we're doing this. And you just have to go with it. Because people are to go, well, you can't just give every, anybody creative freedom. But the thing is now is look at the goddamn product you're watching now. Every week all I hear about is these are the worst shows I'm ever watching. And they aren't the worst shows you're ever watching, trust me. 2000 WCW is the worst shows you ever watched, if you actually watched it. But the thing is, is like I understand <laughs> those are the why you best th- shows. What's that? Oh yeah, because you so love those Tank Abbott and Three Count. I know, but that's not <laughs> yeah. no. But the thing is, is like if if you think the show sucks now, then you have to just you know you have to be willing to let people change some shit because obviously Vince's way is not working. Obviously, and we're going to talk about it, apparently they weren't ready or he didn't want to, you know, the the Triple H thing. And we'll talk about that soon. But it's like, they wanted to do something different. And I just, I just hope it, like you said, it's actually real. But I'm not going to believe it until I see noticeable changes in the program and not like those one-week changes where you get like a pretty good Raw and a good SmackDown. And then like two weeks later, it's just back to the same. I, you need to fucking, like, sell me. Get get me into a pay-per-view cycle of four to six weeks. You know, show me improved programming overall. Laying out the pay-per-views better than all. Like, right now, like, I'm absolutely shocked that there's, like, five matches already announced for Extreme Rules. I think that's great. Because they rarely do that. You know, it's like, it's a small thing, but it's an appreciated thing. More things like that. Break from the sterile programming and four More two out of three falls matches. Oh, fuck that shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to watch two out of three falls match, I'll start watching CMLL all the fucking time. <laughs> so, um... I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Is I, I, I want to see it to believe it, but I, I'm optimistic overall. Yeah, I just, you know, make me fucking care, man, because I want these shows to be good. I've said it for years... The worst thing to do is write a bad or negative review because you can only say something sucks so many times, so many ways before you just sound like you're shitting on it to shit on it. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I try to find the good. Half the time, if I give the show a four or five, people go, you overrated it. So obviously, I'm not just totally shitting on the show. I'm looking for good things. There are some good things. The thing is, is I shouldn't have to, like, go on a goddamn treasure hunt to find the good things. So, I hope this works. I'm hoping for the best. Like I said, just not as optimistic as you. I wish I could be. But moving on, Jeremy, Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff. Paul Heyman on Raw. Eric Bischoff controlling SmackDown. As of right now, it is June 27th, the day the news broke. Who do you have more faith in running their show? I have more faith in Heyman just because he's been around the product for years now. Um, I mean, he's been back in WWE since Brock has been back. And okay, he's not there every week, but he's been there a lot of weeks, especially the the last year with Ronda Rousey. I'm I'm fairly certain he was there most weeks with Ronda there over the last year because he was a big part of of her program and direction. And he's is more familiar with everything. Like he he knows the environment back there. He knows the the wrestlers and the characters better. I like what Bischoff has had to say in interviews. I, I think he's made some good points. I don't know if Bischoff is, you know, fully familiar with everything going on in WWE television. He knows a lot of the talent. He's worked with a lot out of the talent, but I don't know how much how familiar he is with what's going on right now and just the the overall like vibe of the locker room and stuff because I think that's an important thing. It's not just all right. You, what do you know the talent on television? 
what do you know from the talent backstage as well? Heyman knows that stuff. Bischoff doesn't as of yet. So I, I definitely have more faith in Heyman, mainly due to that. I I agree for many of the same reasons. Uh, Heyman's been around, and you could say a lot of stuff for Paul and his. Some people find him very repetitive, but the thing is, is I think he is more in tune to what a 2019 audience would want. To whereas I look at Eric Bischoff. And I see somebody that, let's call it like it is, the, the man is living off of his WCW run and the whole 83 weeks thing or whatever the fuck it is. Is that how long it was? Is that his podcast I mean, that, name? I mean, that's the, that's the name of the podcast, so I yeah. assume that's how long the run so that is. I mean, seriously, you name your podcast fucking the 83 weeks jerk off session or whatever. It's like, you know, it's like he just... That and the whole that whole TNA run with Hogan just completely soured me, you know. And I just I I don't see a lot of positives to bringing in Eric Bischoff in 2019. Uh, I I guess as long as we don't get uh the dude brother Jack every week on SmackDown, I'll be okay. But I yeah I don't know, man. It's just um I definitely right now I have more faith in. Paul Heyman, just in terms of pure creative uh, power and thinking, and the term, and like you said, he's been around. He knows a lot of the locker room, and he just he to me he feels more in tune to what a 2019 audience wants or needs, and hopefully that will be reflective in whatever he is able to, you know, break the walls down with Vince with and get onto TV. And again, hoping for the best. Because goddamn Raw at three hours, he certainly has his work cut out for him. Yeah, he like that. that is one big thing is Heyman's got to you know, run a three-hour Raw. And that's not easy, um, especially with kind of these stupid changes of two out of three falls matches and, and no wrestling during commercial breaks. Like, we'll see if that changes. Uh, I, I think that'll be the most telling sign that changes are happening is if Heyman and Bischoff are like, yeah, we're going to need some wrestling during these commercial breaks because we, we got to fill something and we can't just keep coming up with these convoluted reasons of, of why there's no wrestling. Like the, the fucking AJ and, and Ricochet nonsense uh, on Monday where they don't wrestle and then the good brothers come out and AJ's like, nope, go to the back and then we'll start this match. Like, Jesus Christ, guys. Um, so we'll, we'll see. As far as Bischoff goes, yeah, the TNA run not good the he is living off of the wcw 83 weeks and i mean like it or not that is the most successful big time promotion run that we've ever seen in wrestling uh um outside of the wwf wwe so i can understand why he's living off of that i mean vince russo banked a lot of goodwill off of the attitude era these are my ideas and it turns out well not maybe everything wasn't his idea so that's the thing in wrestling if you if you have one kind of successful run like that you're given a lot of chances and and bischoff is getting a big chance right here based on once again based on these interviews that i've heard from him things i've read i think he has some good ideas I think he had good ideas in WCW. I mean, there's a reason why they won 83 weeks. There's also a reason why they fucking tanked after that. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, Bischoff is known for stealing from New Japan. So uh, we, we might see a, a long uh, Okada-like reign for Kofi coming up. There you go. I mean, and yeah, again, it's it's a, it's a big wait and see. But I think there... I, I can understand reasons to be optimistic, but I also think it... I think you need to be cautiously optimistic in this whole thing because there's a lot of variables. And like we said, it's like Paul is far from perfect, but I have a little more faith in Paul. I think Eric lives in the past too much. And again, they, like I said, they can have the greatest fucking ideas in the world, man. They, they got to get it past Vince and the TV. And that is just going to be the big test. And I don't want to sound repetitive, but I just want everybody to remind that because, you know, if in three months the shows haven't gotten better... I don't want the first reaction to be, you know, well, you know, Paul and Eric fucked up. Because you have to remember, WWE is booked for an audience of one. And it's Vince McMahon, and he's over 70, and he's very out of touch. So. 
Anything to add to that before we move on, Jeremy? Um, no. I mean, it, it's true. They're, they're booking for Vince. And I, I will say, give give this time. Once again, we don't know when these guys are going to really step into their roles. There's conflicting reports on that. And so it's tough to gauge. Like, I don't think these changes are going to be, like, next week you're just going to see a completely different product. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm more interested not only from the creative vision, but like they're called executive directors. So shouldn't that mean like lighting stuff, staging, cameras, fucking cut off the camera cuts, knock that shit off for the love of God. Like shouldn't some of that stuff change as well under these guys? Like I'm interested to see more than just creative changes if that sort of that production look and feel changes as well with, with these guys, because you got to somehow make these shows feel a little bit different. And, and that's something they don't do. Like they tried it for like a week on raw where they dimmed the lights in the third hours and they cut off the Titan Tron and they literally did this for one week and then they stopped it. And like they changed the graphics and everything one week, maybe two. And that was it. And so I want to see if that stuff changes as well, more than just, oh, creative looks like it's gotten a little bit better. Yeah, and I I totally agree. I would love them to experiment with some different looks and stuff. Like you said, cut out all the the fucking Kevin Dunn camera cuts that make you feel like you're having an epileptic fucking seizure. You know, Jesus, God, that guy's horrible. But yeah, just try some new stuff. And like you said, it's like, and it has to last... And that gives us the booking, too. It has to last more than one or two weeks. And I'm willing, you know, it's the summer. There's not going to be a ton happening anyway with the product. There usually never is. As I take a drink. Anyway, and cough. But anyway, I mean, I would love to see the shows feel different. Have a different look, a different vibe. And I'm not just talking about fucking colors or the goddamn LED boards. A real different feel. Make it feel like, you know, for lack of a better term, make one feel like Raw and make one feel like Nitro. You know what I mean? Just, I want it to feel like two different companies. Like, there was a time 205 Live was experimenting with a lot of different camera angles, like in close-up shit, and they did that for a while, and then Kevin Dunn didn't like it because he couldn't do all of his rapid camera cuts. So, because it was too close and it didn't work right. But I would like to see more shit like that. You know, a little more experimentation. I I love the... I like when they really do things like, you know, like the post-match interviews and stuff and like, you know, real sported up a little bit at times. Just little different things to make the show different instead of, you know, heading to the back again. You know, I mean, it would be great if somebody picked up like an important win. Like on Monday's Raw, Ricochet lost to AJ Styles after winning the US title. I don't want to hear from Ricochet backstage three hours later on YouTube. You know, I mean, you could, you know, just have, you know, you could have AJ leave and like, give us a fucking interview with the loser. He just won the title and had his biggest WWE accomplishment. What is this motherfucker thinking? He respected and loved AJ Styles. Is he pissed? Is he okay with it? Does he have to go back to the workshop and get better? Fucking tell me. Don't make me watch it on YouTube. I would like them. I would like them to see to do like more of that YouTube stuff on television. Like I think that is the stuff that that's sometimes the most gripping stuff is those YouTube segments because characters then like they don't feel as directed on the, in these YouTube videos and like, like you watch these WWE uh, 365 Chronicle, basically anything on the network like that is that's really good storytelling, really good, compelling stuff, much better than a lot of what they put on actual television because because it's real and, and it hits you harder. And I feel like some of the backstage stuff does that as well. Like Cesaro was doing a, uh, a Greg Popovich gimmick of like next one question. You get one question. That's it. And it never made it to television. It's like, why? Why isn't this on television? Like. It takes up 30 seconds. You keep the guy relevant. You give him a personality more than just he's out there wrestling. And like a lot of that stuff, like the Iconics are always in these YouTube exclusive backstage stuff. Like they're so good in these They're videos. so much better on never... YouTube than they are on TV. 
Yeah, it's like you would never know that. It's so amazing. But yeah, no, I agree. Like the YouTube stuff is great, but I'd I'd rather see more of it on TV, like you said, because some of it is way better. The iconics are way better on fucking YouTube. Their their personalities actually come out. They don't sound like screeching fucking banshees. They're actually entertaining, and like they're 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 still heels while doing so. But it's just it's really good and it's so much better. Uh, yeah, I would love like like you said that Cesaro stuff. They try out new stuff and then it it never sees TV. How do you know if it's gonna fucking work if it never makes TV? You know, just because it didn't do the biggest YouTube views doesn't mean people didn't enjoy it. Give it a try on TV one week. And again, yeah, I would like you said, a lot of these what thirty to seventy seconds are a lot of these things. So it's yeah, not, not like you know that we're not doing fifteen minute promos. No, no, no. They're they're not long at all. Like you could easily fit this stuff on television. It would be. I I don't know that like these are these are. We know they have the talent. That the talent is not the issue. Like that's one hundred percent not the issue. Like whether it's in ring, whether it's on the mic, like this is not the issue at all. It's a matter of getting the most out of that talent, and for the most part, they they don't do it. But we see glimpses of it, and hopefully Heyman and Bischoff can can bring that more to light because it's it's not seeing the light of day right now. And like we've said many times, the one if they could take one fucking thing from NXT, technically two things, keep it simple and put people in a fucking position to succeed. That is why the NXT product thrives in terms of fan interest and love. People watch these simple storylines, wrestlers are put into a position to succeed, and then at the end, we feel like it has been paid off with great wrestling and title changes and various things. Like on last night's NXT, Shayna Baszler and uh, Io Shirai had a really good fucking cage match. Way better than Kofi and Dolph ever could have hoped for. And then you did a great goddamn heel turn with Io Shirai afterwards. And it just, it all worked. It all made sense. Just give us stuff like that. Because now I'm interested. I want to see where Io Shirai goes from now. Is she going to be like the dark temptress? Like when she went to Lucha Underground wearing all black and looking super fucking sexy and killing people? I'm all for that. You know, give me more of that shit. But yeah, just, you know, help me out. And God damn it, Eric Bischoff, if you do one fucking thing for me on SmackDown, could you please... Please, please, please fucking please, I am begging you, Eric Bischoff, once in my life, could you get the good brother Buddy Murphy back on fucking TV, please? (laughs) Jesus Christ. He's the best kept secret for a reason. Yes, because they fucking forgot they had him again. He was probably the best goddamn main (laughs) roster wrestler last year. And this motherfucker can't even find TV since they quote-unquote promoted him. I mean, him... Ali is now nowhere to be found. Cedric is nowhere to be found outside of 24-7 chases. He's a former 24-7 champion. Hey, he's Gotta a former WWE him. main event champion. He just lost that to Robert Roode. <laughs> you Robert know Roode, this that's another you read guy. the goddamn main event recaps, Jeremy. Listen, I, I watched the Dana Brooke matches on main event. That's it. If it ain't Dana Brooke, I ain't watching it. Oh, I said you could read the goddamn review. I didn't tell you. Well, I read the Dana Brooke reviews to see how you shortchange Dana Brooke on her matches every week. That's right. I I thought her I thought her fake blade job was absolutely horrible. No, No, I felt yeah, I felt bad for her, man. I I felt bad that people were like dumping on Sarah Logan. How about the agent that said, you know what? Here's a great fucking idea. Dana, why don't you get really close to this post and Sarah V trigger her fucking head off? Uh, maybe yeah, I don't know who came up with that. Spot, yeah, we should but, put a little uh, more thought good. into that one. So, next topic we will move on to here. We have uh, teased it a couple times here in the conversation. We need to bring up Triple H. And, basically, does it show a lack of faith in Triple H? And we'll get to the reports that are out there. Does it show a lack of faith in Triple H and his team that they didn't get him to run one of these shows. Now, I will say there is a report out there with a questionable source that says 
Triple H was offered Eric Bischoff's job on SmackDown under the condition that he also juggle NXT and that he declined. Now, in theory, that is somewhat believable because I think if Paul takes control, he wants everything. He wants the full reins. He doesn't want to have to answer to Vince. He doesn't want one show. He wants the whole thing. But again, questionable sourcing on this one. And um, basically, what do you think? Do you think it's a lack of faith of Triple H and his team, or do you just think that? Uh, do you think he actually turned it down, or what? Or maybe something else? What do you think? Yeah, I I definitely don't trust the the source on that. I know who you're talking about, and I'm not even gonna mention him. Uh, based on more reputable sources, they all say that the, it was never offered to Triple H. So I'm more inclined to believe that. It was never offered to him and that it was never offered to him because they knew the answer and the answer was going to be no, because I I truthfully think Triple H is very happy with what he's doing in NXT. He is building his own team in NXT. You know, Road Dogg left SmackDown and he he went to NXT because he's Triple H's guy. That's and he seems much happier in NXT. Um, you know, Michaels is down there with him. Waltman and Hall always make appearances down there. Like, he's got his buddies. He's kind of grooming Gabe to be there as well. He's got his team down there in NXT, and I think he is happy running those shows. And I don't think he would have been happy. He definitely wasn't giving up control of NXT. I think that's just 100% out of the question. And I don't think he would have been happy, one, juggling the two things, because that's that's a lot of stress to put on that man, to put on anybody, much less just Triple H. Two, I don't think he would have been happy, even though he would have had control over SmackDown, like more control than he would of in any other position. He's still answering to Vince, as we've talked about before. Like even if Heyman and Bischoff are going to have control over these two brands, at the end of the day, a lot of the majority is going to be run through vets. I don't think Triple H wanted that either. I think he is just, he sees what Vince is right now. He didn't want to have to deal, like he's already dealing with that headache. And I don't think he wanted to have more power to deal with that headache even more where it's like, all right, you told me I could do this shit. And now you're going to shoot me down on this. What the fuck is going on? So I think he's just like, I'll stick with kind of my background role with WWE, kind of just go about my business here, do what I need to do. I'll keep my hands doing what I'm doing with NXT because everyone seems to like that shit right now. So I don't know if he was offered the position. Again, more reputable uh, reporters say he wasn't. I think if he was, it was a, a very quick no because he he's fine in NXT and he's doing his he's building his own team for when Vince does end up getting out of the business we know Triple H is taken over and he will have his own team in place then i i see it like kind of two ways i think that i think generally you're right and that he was offered and said no because i think that when he gets control he wants full control yeah, he wants to be the guy. He doesn't want to kind of juggle back and forth right now. And that, you know, he generally is happy. And still, it is it is a learning process. He does a lot of great things with NXT, but he is still learning and running one of the main shows is going to be very different because it's obviously not one hour. It's going to be two or three. And that you're serving a lot of different masters. So I understand that, but I do think from the outside looking in, as far as optics go, I think that it looks like he was completely slighted and that they don't have faith in him. Because if you don't follow the deep, deep news and you don't understand certain things, but you know Triple H is married to Stephanie, he's a power player as far as being an executive in the company, he runs NXT, started NXT UK, and all you hear is he's eventually going to take over, and then you see that they gave Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff control, I just think that looks bad. If you understand what I'm saying there. I don't yeah. necessarily think that, like you said, I, I think you're generally right. I think he was offered, I think he said no. 
Because he is building his team. You talked about it. He has Gabe Sapolsky. He has Road Dog. He has Shawn Michaels. He has Terry Taylor. He has William Regal. He brought in Jeremy Borash. He brought in the dude who also worked with Borash on the uh, Broken Universe stuff. The dude that used to be like Paradise and OVW. And, you know, he's building that fucking team. And he's getting it set. Because when he takes over, if you guys haven't picked up on it, Kevin Dunn's fucking out of here. They He's hate gone. that motherfucker. Him and Stephanie both do not like him. And again, there is a reason why Stephanie and Triple H were instrumental working with George Berrios and Michelle Wilson on the TV deals is because they will be the ones taking over. They're the ones building power. And again, Kevin Dunn, going to be gone. See ya, you Bucky Beaver motherfucker, as Jim Cornette would say. <laughs> so, but I just, I think you're right, Jeremy, and that he probably turned it down. But I think just if you're looking from the outside, looking in, I think it does look like he was slighted. See, I I think anyone who follows this kind of news of Bischoff and, and Heyman are going to be taking over, like they're obviously an online fan. So they probably know what Triple H does behind the scenes and, and with NXT and everything. So they they kind of know that he's grooming his own team here he's doing his own thing and, and that's a that's a that's a good point you mentioned of like triple h is also running nxt uk he has his hand in 205 live like vince gave up 205 live to him a while ago and there's a reason why 205 live is is great right now i i think triple h is just happy doing that stuff right now and is just waiting in the wings for everything to fall into place for him like he doesn't want to take on these raw or smackdown and let's say things don't turn around with raw or smackdown like let's say they're still kind of just going about the way because once again everything isn't gonna get through vince vince is going to shoot down ideas and there's going to be more frustrations and more headaches and things might not be this big noticeable change i don't think triple h wants to deal with that and i don't think he wants it to look bad on him of like all right i've been running smackdown things aren't really turning around now this is looked at as it's my fault but it's still you know kind of vince's fault here he's like Everyone fucking loves 205 Live. They love NXT. They love NXT UK. I'm going to keep getting all this damn praise. And then when my time comes and Vince is gone, then I can take over those shows and really show y'all kind of what I'm doing here and and really take the reins of everything. I think this is a, a smart play by Triple H. I Maybe to some people it looks like he was slighted. I I don't think that's a significant portion of the audience because if you know Bischoff and Heyman are in charge, since they're not going to mention this on television, it's strictly an online thing, uh, allegedly, um, then you know kind of what Triple H is already doing. And if he was slighted, I don't think Triple H gives a shit about that at all because he's still going to get so much praise for NXT UK, NXT, and 205 Live. So I, I'm not worried about how Triple H is feeling. He, he's doing all right for himself. Yeah, kind of hard to feel sorry for old Paul there. But uh, yeah, so again, uh, we're going to have to, a lot of wait and see right now. Um, I guess the biggest question overall, Jeremy, is does any of this fucking shit matter if they still have to report to Vince to get approval? So does any of this change really matter if that's still the case and he's going to control everything? I mean, we, we've harped on it this this whole podcast, and it's like, no, of course it doesn't if he's going to shoot down these ideas. But not to get too repetitive, I think that these people are not taking this position if they weren't given a good amount of control with things. But if it still runs through Vince and he's shooting down all their ideas, then, I mean, that'll come out. We won't see the changes we, we hope to see. And, you know, we'll, we'll know why we don't. Like, we, we kind of know the visions of Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. If we're still seeing two out of three falls matches into September when AEW starts on TV... Uh, we we will know that Vince McMahon is is shooting down the majority of these ideas. Yeah, I just I, I see where you're coming from, thinking that they probably had some kind of assurances and taking this job and stuff. But 
you know what? I, I hate to be a cynical asshole, but uh, you know what? Maybe they just took the job for the fucking money. Because WWE, oh, sure. WWE <laughs> is just throwing money around. For fuck's sake, they resigned Mike and Maria Canellis for five years. Why? What the fuck do they I mean, even do? Mike and Maria wanted to sign. Like, WWE doesn't want to lose talent. Uh, that's that's very. They wouldn't have lost talent. It was honest. Mike and Maria. <laughs> they would have gone to ROH. They would have been. They would have rejoined the Kingdom. ROH business would have been booming, baby. Oh my god! Yeah. So I just, you know, I mean, I big chance that you know maybe they just took it for the money. And they're going to collect some big-ass fucking paychecks, and nothing will change. But I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that it uh, I hope that it changes. I hope that it gets better. And lastly, of course... See, with, I, I, I tend to lean... Oh, I tend to lean that uh, the more optimistic approach, and that you know, Paul Heyman's got plenty of money. He's been getting paid by WWE for years. I guarantee you he's not getting paid chunk change. Um, and he was offered creative in February and he reportedly turned that down. And now he's got this role. Bischoff is doing just fine. Like his 83 weeks podcast is apparently one of the, the better podcasts out there. All these Conrad Thompson podcasts seem to be doing well. He's getting everybody fucking jobs. We need to link up with Conrad Thompson to, uh, get these high paying jobs. We just so, need to keep sure. fucking Russo away from him. <laughs> Sure, they could. I'm sure Russo was on the horn this morning when he saw this news. Like, Conrad, uh, got a house and got a podcast. What can we do, bro? Um, I, sure, they could have just taken the money. I tend to think that they're doing this because there's some some creative freedom and, and incentive and vision in there for them. You're absolutely adorable with your optimism, Jeremy. I love it. <laughs> and we're, we're very close. rare you're gonna hear me be optimist too. <laughs> no and i th- i do i think it's fucking great honestly i'm not lying i'm not trying to be an asshole <laughs> it's just i i have a lot of trepidation with this whole thing and just how long how many times we heard about change and all that and then we don't get it but to close out i guess the last thing is as with major changes happening to creative there are always rumors regarding nxt and of course there are rumors that we are going to see the biggest uh, biggest flood of NXT call-ups basically ever come the uh, the fall and the move to Fox with SmackDown and, you know, ch- basically changing to both shows. So do you think that uh, come fall we are going to see a mass exodus of top stars such as Johnny Gargano, Undisputed Era, and a bunch of those guys? And... Uh, what basically what do you think about that do you think that's going to be the case if these changes are real and and Heyman and Bischoff actually have control yes because you know Paul Heyman wants all these guys like a lot of these guys Paul Heyman has probably looked at for years and is like I can do a lot with this guy and I mean whether it be Gargano whether it be Dream like Bischoff would probably love Velveteen Dream he's an over-the-top kind of character that he he would just fawn over um yeah I I think and, and Heyman would love a guy like Gargano in Undisputed Era so if they actually have this control to where they they have a large input and creative they're probably gonna get whoever they can I do think Heyman and Bischoff would be more willing to work with Triple H in not just taking talent for the random sake of taking talent like Vince would do, where he just decided on a Monday afternoon, give me your four best NXT guys, and all of a sudden we got Black, Ricochet, Gargano, and Ciampa on the main roster. And then the next week we got the Viking Raider experience who haven't been heard from in months. I guess they're they're back on television recently but for the most part they've been they've done nothing so maybe there will be more of a compromise between those three than there was with vince and his whim um but overall i i think if if they can have their hand and get these nxt guys they're gonna try their best to get them but there's there's plenty of talent on the main roster just just do what you need to do with those guys honestly like you can you can build a great wrestling show, two great wrestling shows with just the guys on the main roster right now. You don't need the NXT talent. 
I, I, I agree that th- there is a ton of underutilized talent on the main roster. Um, one thing I would do is I have no problem with bringing up some people, but number one, you have to have a fucking plan. Unlike what you were talking about where Vince was just like, give me four awesome fucking people and, you know, and then we're not going to quite, you know, use it right and we're going to fuck everything up for NXT. And yeah, so, I mean, they have to have a plan, but yeah, I mean, before you even fucking bring people up, you know what? You need to fucking bite the bullet. You need to cut some people or you need to move some people. Move some people back to 205 Live. Move some people to the fucking UK show. Or release them. Sometimes you just have to let people go. You know what? I mean, like Mike and Maria. No idea why they're still under contract. Not useful. Not entertaining. Love Zack Ryder to death. Don't want him to lose his job. But I mean, really, what the fuck has he done? I mean, they, they made him a tag team champion and then he was off TV for a month. Come on now. It's like, you do you really care? Like, I love fucking Rusev. I think he's great. I think they could do so much more with him. But if you're not going to use the goddamn guy, let him go. And not because you're being good guys. Yeah, I, I want to see him go somewhere and do something. There, There's two minds of that is if their contracts are up and they choose to to resign. It, it's it's kind of what like uh, Moxley said. Like Moxley basically said, you know, I can't control how how you use me, but I can control whether or not I sign that new contract. Or maybe Tyler Breeze said said this on Twitter. Somebody said it. But like that's you know, that's what it is. All right, Mike and Maria, they had their chance to leave. I mean, their contracts were up. They chose to to resign. But so it, but if they want to resign if if you're the company though, why would you sign them for more money and more years when they've done I mean, absolutely the, nothing? The the company doesn't care. Like they're they've got money to burn right now. So I mean, they're these guys are getting paid. Good on them, honestly. Like if you're the company, I, I don't see why that's a bad thing of they won't and then just lock up all this talent. If this talent is going to sign, they want to make this money, they want to sit at home and do nothing, more power to them. If WWE wants to give them that financial flexibility, that financial earnings of, hey, here's $500,000, five-year deal, you really don't have to show up that often. You're not going to be on the road working these house shows. You show up to 205 Live, maybe we'll use you, maybe you won't. Either way, you're still getting paid. If I'm Mike and Maria, if I'm satisfied with that, then I'm satisfied with that. If WWE wants to pay me that money, great. I'm going to take that. So that's ju- that's just job security to me. Like, I have, I have no I don't problem think... with them getting paid and getting their money. I have a problem with WWE being stupid enough to offer it to them and re-signing them. But, I mean, hey, like you said, if, my you, money. if you get paid and you can, you're happy with your position, what the fuck ever. But, no, it's just like there are so yeah, many it... guys, though. It's just like... If they're not happy, please fucking leave because you're not being used. And WWE, sometimes you just need to let people go. Thin out the goddamn roster. I mean, listen, man, I love Luke Harper. He wants out. They have they want nothing to fucking do with him. But they're going to hold on to him and pay him to November for no fucking reason. Let, let the fucker go. Open now, up that Now, spot. stuff like that. Stuff like that I don't agree with is if the guy wants out and you're just going to hold on to him and not use him like that, that's a little bit petty. And like at least they released Ty Dillinger. But like when it comes to Mike and Maria, like they were complaining and they reportedly asked for their release. But then when their contracts came up, they still resigned. Like that's on them. If a guy does ask for his release, release him if he wants out. If you offer him a new contract and he's like, no, I'm leaving then release him at that point. But especially if it's a guy like Luke Harper, who's not doing anything. Okay. Ambrose Moxley, I can understand. You're not just going to release this guy in January because he wants out and his contract is up in April. You're going to do what you can with him for, for the final three, four months, but you're not doing anything with Luke Harper. He wants out. Yeah. Release the guy. I'm sure there might be other guys like that as well. I don't think they should thin out the roster just for the sake of, of thinning out the roster. If guys are, just happy being at home, getting paid and willing to resign, then then fine. If WWE is willing to pay him, then pay him. But if guys legitimately want out like Luke Harper does, let the guy go. Maybe, maybe thin out might've been too harsh for word, but I think that like 
just fucking use people better. You know, I mean, just if you, okay, here's the thing. You have guys that, you know, Randy Orton obviously doesn't work like full-time schedule, but like sometimes that you will have house shows and, you know, sometimes guys need off and you always hear talk about off seasons or blah, 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 blah. You know what? How about if you have a, you know, you have a group of how many fucking guys over here that don't appear on TV regularly but, I mean, you could, like, fatten up a house show with these guys. And you could slowly rotate out. You, you can't just take AJ Styles off a card and say, Hey, everybody, Apollo Crews. What I'm saying is, if you have four or five guys that normally aren't on TV, and AJ needs a night off, you can give AJ a night off and then add another two matches to the card. Because you have all these extra guys that need to work dates. Use people better. This, if, is, this is what... Yeah, this, this is what we talked about um, in the Moxley interview and where he said, essentially, why are we running me versus Bray Wyatt for three straight weeks? Why don't we do it one week? And then the next week, you show a video package. Maybe we do some comments, but you give Tyler Breeze and Apollo Crews a match. And we don't have to show up for television that week. Like You can cycle guys in and out that way like raw and and smackdown and stuff people are still gonna show up to these shows house shows i get maybe it's a little bit tougher but you're you're still gonna as long as you got a couple of stars there i mean if you're wwe in your mind you should have five six seven stars you know what i mean like aj kofi rollins reigns that that's four becky that's five right there like you don't need all five on one show, and obviously with the brand split, you, you don't get all five on one show. But you can Wild build enough stars. To you're wrong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can you can build enough stars to where you can cycle those guys in and out. I completely agree with that. Like I, I wish they would do that more because giving away these tell these high quality matches on television week after week doesn't do anybody any good. But that's what they do. And, you know, here's another thing. It's like, you know, like a guy like Rusev, okay? If you're not going to do anything with him right now and you're going to give him some time off, okay, here's an idea. You want to build up some credibility. You want to get some use out of Rusev, maybe help somebody else. Here's the thing. It's like, okay, in two weeks we have, we're going to take four weeks of NXT UK TV. Why don't we send Rusev over for that weekend? Tape four weeks of TV. Give him a couple wins, set him up, then you bring him back, and then you're going to do a takeover. Give me fucking Rusev and Walter. Yeah, you're giving sure. Rusev something Give me to Rusev do. Rusev and Walter. You know, I mean, you're but you're giving Rusev something to do. You're giving some star power to the NXT UK brand, and then you're going to put Walter over at the end, and then it's like, hey, that was really fucking cool. You could have him run through fucking Imperium. Whatever the fuck you want to do, do something. Do something fun if you're not going to use him. Sheamus is going to come back eventually. If you have no plans for Sheamus when he comes back, same thing. We're going to send Sheamus to NXT UK just for a, a fucking weekend TV taping and then set up a takeover match. And you can have him win. You can have him beat someone like fucking Travis Banks or one of the, the coffee douchebags. Okay, I don't care. Just do something. Give NXT UK a little star power. Give Sheamus something to do. Get a little ring rust off him. And then if you're ready to bring him back to the main roster, you can go, you know, Sheamus was out of action for six months earlier this year, but returned at NXT UK, whatever the fuck in the UK. And then he beat this dude and he looked fucking great. Now he's back on SmackDown, goddammit. He's ready to kick ass and tank names at stomping grounds. You know, just do something. But I mean, you have all these fucking brands. You're not using Buddy Murphy. You're not using Cedric Alexander. You're not using Mustafa Ali. You know what? Put those three motherfuckers together and run some trios matches once a week on 205 Live just to get them some work and to give me some goddamn enjoyment. Do something. You have too much goddamn talent not to do something. That's all I want. Uh, I'm with you. They they do have too much talent not to do something. And hopefully under Bischoff and, and Heyman, again, the track records are there to where they can utilize talent in a certain way. I mean, say what you will about Bischoff. 
he got talent on television. Um, maybe he did not push the right talent. Maybe he held on to the brother. wrong talent for, for too long. Brother, brother. And, and some of that was, you know, being too friendly with those guys or creative control, what, whatever it might be. But he still, like, he made some talent, and he made some talent very visible. Oh, Paul Heyman was always great at getting the most out of the least when it came to talent and getting guys over. So the track records are there. Let's see how much control they're they're actually going to have. And that's the thing I'm worried the most about. So we're going to see how it plays out. Uh, that was our uh, our look at the big news today. And honestly, it is big news, even if it doesn't end up meaning anything because then it's still big news because they fucked it up. But potentially big news, especially if it really works out. So we will see what happened. I think we tried to present uh, both sides of the uh, the argument here. I know I was a little harsher on things than Jeremy, but I thought Jeremy was great at bringing a good counterpoint and some positivity to it. And at the end of the day, we both just want the goddamn product to be really good and enjoyable. So, I mean, I think yes, that's the exactly. bottom line. Exactly. As we say, we don't like watching bad wrestling. We don't like dedicating five hours of our week to watching Raw and SmackDown and it completely sucks. We don't like dedicating four hours to a Sunday night pay-per-view and, and it sucks. Like, we want to watch good shit because time is valuable. That's right. So thank you guys for joining us and make sure to follow the 411 Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Subscribe and share us around, and if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. We thank you for listening. Jeremy and I will be back this weekend talking ROH Best in the World as well as AEW Fighter Fest. So again, thank you for listening. Jeremy, thank you for your time, and happy wrestling, everybody.